Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. As always, I want to say hello to a few people that are such great supporters of us here at Light of the East, especially Charles Cook. Charles is the one that really kind of got it all started for us here many years ago already. And I also want to say hello to some people that wrote to me recently, especially Carolyn Dean. And she writes to me out of Divine Mercy Radio. Carolyn, thank you very much for your letter. I did answer it, and I will continue to answer it. Carolyn asked me a few questions uh, that I have to do a little bit of research on in order to answer her. But I do appreciate the fact that Carol has written to us, because that shows that you're listening. (laughs) So above all, not only do we love hearing from you, but we love the fact, above all, that you are listening. Speaking of listening, many people, when they listen to me give talks in public venues— in conferences, retreats, and so on, they often will ask me a question. They'll ask me a number of questions, but one of those is a very simple question, and one that I wish I could answer very simply, and that is, Father Tom, what is the difference? What is the difference between the Byzantine rite and the Latin rite? And I wish I could answer that very simply, because it's a very simple, direct question that is looking for basically one simple answer. I haven't been able to find that one simple answer because the question really is asking me to go through almost 2,000 years of history to answer the question. However, there are a number of other questions as well that I get asked, and oftentimes it has to do with someone who is of the Latin rite or just not an Eastern Catholic or an Eastern Christian, and they'll ask if we in the Eastern churches have certain customs and practices or theology, spirituality, that they might be familiar with as Latin Rite Catholics, or even as non-Catholics or non-Eastern Christians. So, from time to time on our program, I like to visit or revisit some of these common questions, because they are just that. They're very common. And ones that I think, if I answer them hopefully correctly and thoroughly enough within this limited venue of our program, hopefully it'll be satisfying and enlightening to the many people who do ask me these questions many times. So I'm just going to go through the list of them. As I mentioned, I can't answer 
simply or in one single characteristic what the difference is between the Eastern churches and the Western churches. But I can say this in terms of if you want to talk about the Mass or the Eucharist. The way I like to put it, and this is the way I have found to try to answer simply that simple question, is that the liturgies, the Eucharistic liturgies in the Latin Rite Church and in the Eastern churches, they are basically the same in terms of what I would call the skeleton their skeletal structure, basically the same. It's the meat on the bones, as I call it, that makes them different. So you have the same essential elements. As I often tell people, if you come to an Eastern Rite liturgy, or for instance, my own liturgy, the Byzantine Rite liturgy, you would certainly recognize that there's a similar flow, similar skeletal structure as in the Latin Rite Mass. In other words, there is a a gathering. The beginning is basically a gathering. In the East, we call that anarchsis. And then there are psalms, antiphons, there is the asking for forgiveness, there is then the readings, and then the homily, and then we move into the Eucharistic prayer, which in the Eastern churches we call the anaphora. And in that prayer, there's very beautiful lengthy prayers in both the East and Western traditions. They're very encompassing prayers. They encompass all of creation, just about everything. They're very comprehensive prayers. When I say long, I don't mean they go on forever, but they are longer because they are the, the Eucharistic canon, the Eucharistic sort of the, this very special mystical guts of the, the Mass or the liturgy. And then there's the, the Our Father. There's once again the preparation for Holy Communion. There, there's the reception of Holy Communion. And then there are the final prayers, dismissal and blessing. And of course, the announcements at the end. <laughs> so the skeletal structure should be familiar to someone who is not an Eastern Christian, it should be familiar when they attend an Eastern liturgy. If they can get past the meat and the bones, in other words, the meat and the bones might be very different, especially if you're not familiar with Eastern liturgy. But if a person looks through past the meat and the bones, as I call it, in other words, the way that the skeletal structure is celebrated, is, is presented, if they get past that, they'll see these basic similarities. So that's just a little way to answer, a little simple way to answer that question what is the difference between the Latin Rite of the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern churches, at least in terms of liturgy. Naturally, I I far underplay the complete differences, but that's one way that I have of trying to answer that very fundamental and important question. So let's look at some other items as well. People often ask me, well, let's look at some other items. However, before I do that, I'm going to preface something. It's very important that whenever we ask the question, how we ask it, do you have this or that in your church? I mean, the same thing with me. As a Byzantine Rite priest, if I were to ask a Latin Rite person or priest, do you have this or that in your church? I would have to do that in a very neutral way. Sometimes that question is asked in a way that makes it sound like the person asking it is saying, well, this is what you're supposed to have. This is what we have, what we're familiar with, and do you have it and why don't you? Sometimes the question is framed that way. Now, I'm not saying the person has any malintent, but it's sometimes framed that way, and it's very important that we be careful of how we ask that question. So make it very neutral. In other words, basically just telling the person, let's say if you're a Roman Catholic and Latin Rite Christian, you're asking that other person who is an Eastern Christian, just tell me about your church. So to look at some of these items, I'll mention, for instance, the the rosary, for example. People will say, do you have the rosary? Do the Eastern churches practice the rosary? The answer to that question is, and by the way, I'm going to preface something once again, whenever I answer these questions, either now or whenever I do, 
I try to do so in a way in which it shows not the differences so much, but the convergence points. In other words, how we arrive at a similar or same place, but we do so through our own respective traditions, which means that sometimes the Eastern churches will have something that the Latin rite will not have, and vice versa. But the point is, where we arrive. And that's where I think the real value is in any kind of dialogue or discussion about church unity, especially ecumenical dialogue, is to look at where we converge. In other words, where we're both after. What's our ultimate destination? And you'll find that there is much more in common that way. It's just how we get to it, the perspectives we take, the approaches we take is what makes the differences. Okay, back again to the rosary. Do we have the rosary in the Eastern churches? We do not have the rosary per se in terms of it being a public devotion or an official devotion in the liturgical tradition of the Eastern churches. However, it is oftentimes, we call it a private devotion. In other words, practiced privately, that you can say the rosary if you're an Eastern Christian, and many, many do. In fact, some of the most devout approaches to the rosary I dare say, are often taken by people who are Eastern Catholic. Yes, Eastern Catholics individually have a great reverence for the rosary. But again, the point of convergence. The rosary has very Eastern characteristics to it. It uses repetition, which we do a lot. It honors the Mother of God, but it honors the Mother of God by, at the same time, pointing to the mysteries of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a very, very Eastern approach. We often say, especially when it comes to the icon of the Virgin Mary, we always point out how she is never depicted, except in one icon, she's never depicted without Christ or the implication of Christ, such as the icon of the Annunciation. And so, too, with the rosary, the rosary, although it has most of its prayers are to the Mother of God, it is at the same time a meditation on the life and mysteries of Jesus Christ. So, again, there are similar elements in the rosary, which is primarily a Roman Catholic devotion, similar elements that the Eastern churches would recognize. And that may be one of the reasons why many people in Eastern churches do have a great devotion to the rosary. But I made the distinction, which is an important distinction, between a private and public devotion. In other words, anyone may pray the rosary. People should pray the rosary. I love when people pray the rosary. I love when people pray it for me. (laughs) <laughs> Many people will say that. I pray the rosary for your father. I say, oh, thank you, thank you. Please pray, pray another one for me. When we pray that way, that's called private devotion. Anyone may pray a private devotion. The public devotion generally means what is officially in the liturgical tradition of a particular church. In other words, their divine office, what's officially in the books, the prayer books and the rubrics of the divine office. So in the Eastern churches, the rosary is a commonly practiced private devotion, but it is not a devotion that is in the rubrics, in the liturgicons, you know, the, the typicons of the Eastern churches. In other words, it's not in any of the manuals of prayer officially in the Eastern churches. Now, that is not to say that it is de-emphasized or the Eastern church has any problem with it, because as I mentioned, it has many Eastern characteristics. It just simply means different traditions. That's all. And in fact, we have what's called the Chutki or the Jesus Prayer. In fact, I was on an airplane the other day and I happened to be sitting next to a priest. We had a great conversation together. In fact, the man in the seat next to the two of us said to us before the plane took off, well, this plane is in good hands, isn't it? 
<laughs> and so, so uh, I took out my chutki during the flight and began to pray it. And the priest was Latin, right? He asked me about the chutki. And so I explained to him, in fact, he asked me, is that a Byzantine-type rosary? And I said, well, in a manner of speaking, it is. But it's actually called the Jesus Prayer. And I explained it to him. We're going to talk more about these lines of convergence and divergence when we come back. I'm Father Thomas Loyal on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. The tradition continues. I'm Father Thomas Loya inviting you to Prairie Fest. Friday through Sunday, August 7th the through the 9th. Friday night at 7.30. Which is dedicated Chicago to the Land's number one classic rock cover band. Of All right. Then to find Saturday out more about evening, August 8th at 7.30. Prairie Fest celebrates the British invasion with American English. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, particularly for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Fest Spanish. Kicks off Family That's Day Saturday afternoon at 2 with animal shows for kids. The Innisfree Folk Ensemble, followed by Harvest Moon. Sunday is Polka Day. Beginning with Polka Generations at 11 a.m., the Polish Highlanders Dance Troupe, Eddie Carosa Jr., and the Czechoslovak Moravian Society Dancers. Prairie Fest also has a beer garden, food, children's games, church and prairie tours, $5,000 raffle, and more. Complete details for Prairie Fest are at the events link at byzantinecatholic.com. byzantinecatholic.com. Prairie Fest, Friday through Sunday, August 7th through the 9th, at Annunciation Parish, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We are looking at the lines of convergence and I'll say divergence, meaning how we converge and basically arrive at the same point, but come at it from different ways, meaning, in our case today, how we have different devotions in Eastern churches. And remember, I want to remind you again that whenever we ask each other about each other's churches, always do that in a very neutral way, very open way. Don't ask the question in a way where you presume 
that the way that you're familiar with is the way and the other right needs to be like that, or you're surprised if they don't have this or that. Because all the Eastern rites, all the Western rites, all the rites of the church are equal in their dignity. Some are larger than others, but they're equal in dignity and they're all very ancient. So it's just a matter of how they all come to what is basically the same point. So let's take another example. The Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Now that's a recent devotion, the Latin rite. And again, what is interesting about that is that it has many Eastern flavors, but it is not a devotion in the Eastern churches per se. When I say that again, it's not a disagreement or a disdain or anything like that. It just simply means it's not in the official liturgical manuals of the Eastern churches. The Chapel of Divine Mercy has a lot of Eastern flavor to it because, again, there's repetition. And there is the prayer that is an ancient prayer that's been in the Byzantine liturgy for centuries. The Holy God, Holy and Mighty, Holy and Immortal One, have mercy on us. We sing that at every liturgy in the Byzantine Church and every single divine office. In other words, it's through and through all of our prayers in the Eastern churches. And it's called the Trisagion. Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. That's in the Chapel of Divine Mercy, which I found very interesting when I learned about the chaplet. Another thing that is very fascinating to me I think should be fascinating to you because it's a great example of how these things converge, how we come at it from different ways. St. John Paul II declared that the Sunday after Easter would be the Sunday of divine mercy. Well, the Sunday after Easter in the Byzantine liturgical calendar is a Sunday of St. Thomas and call it Thomas Sunday. Notice something about that. Notice how the themes are very similar. Christ's mercy. He shows his mercy to Thomas. There, Thomas doubts him. Jesus is standing right there in the room in front of him with his wounds, and Thomas won't believe yet. And yet Jesus could have taken him to task and scolded him for his disbelief. But out of his mercy, his great mercy, he reveals his side to him and says, put your hand in my side. Well, if you notice the icon of Thomas Sunday and the icon of divine mercy, they're very similar in their pose, very similar in their theme. Jesus hand-raised, exposing himself, pointing to his heart, to his side, in both images, I always found it remarkable, the similarities between the Sunday of Divine Mercy, the Chapel of Divine Mercy, and the devotions in the Eastern churches, and the Sunday of St. Thomas. So again, it's not in the Eastern liturgical manuals, but it has very similar kinds of characters as the Eastern prayer. Statues. People ask me, do you have statues in your church? In the Eastern traditions, by and large, we don't use statues. It became more common in the Laterite, the Western traditions, but that came basically later. I mean, there were relief sculptures, but basically the Latin Rite adopted statues as one of their liturgical expressions, their artistic expressions. In the Eastern churches, we only have icons. We do not use statues, per se. Now, again, that's not because we look down on statues. It simply means that this is the way, for theological and spiritual reasons, the Eastern church arrived at their particular artistic expression of the faith. They decided to use only two-dimensional art, in addition to, of course, architecture. The two-dimensional art the Eastern churches thought represented for them this sense of heaven because on this earth, on this side of eternity, we see things in what we call three dimensions. So in order to depict the life beyond, which the Eastern churches is always trying to do, 
they thought, well, we've got to do it in a way that's different than here. Similar, but yet different. So they arrived at simply the two-dimensional flat, what you might call flat type of art. Although I mentioned they do have what we call relief sculptures, which are they're forms of sculpture that are not three-dimensional. They kind of come out from a flat surface, like raised, like a relief, something you might know as a relief sculpture. But basically, they have just the painted or the image on mosaic. It's basically on a flat surface, a wall or a board, a panel, and it's two dimensions. And the way that it's painted, of course, gives the sense or the impression of a certain dimensionlessness, a certain timelessness. Statues are, of course, wonderful. They're beautiful. I love statues. I can pray with them just as I can pray with an icon. But the Eastern churches chose to maintain only a two-dimensional art form in terms of their official art form, their official liturgical art. Okay, organs and instruments. Some Eastern churches will use some instruments, but they generally don't use it in the same way or as comprehensively as in the Latin Rite, where they use organs. The organ, for instance, is very prominent, or even other instruments. Again, these developments came later in the Latin Rite, In the Eastern churches, they decided to stick largely with just the human voice. The only instrument is the human voice. Again, nothing wrong with instruments. And as I mentioned, some Eastern churches do use some instruments. Usually it has to do with percussion-type instruments, like maybe a tambourine, a bell, a drum, something like that. But in the Western church, and this is, again, an important characteristic when you talk about the difference between the East and the West, An important characteristic is that the Western church, as it developed, tended to open itself up to a greater variety in terms of expression, cultural expression. In other words, it allowed other developments in art and music. The idea, though, is supposed to be consistent, though, with what was sanctified, what was for liturgical use, for worship, but it did open itself up to other forms, allowed other art forms to develop. In the Eastern churches, they tended to codify those forms. In terms of music, it would be their own respective chants that are indigenous to the Eastern churches. Each Eastern church has its own indigenous chant. In terms of its art, it tended to stay with iconography, and also it tended to stay with a certain style of architecture. The West opened up to different styles, or at least allowed those basic styles, which were very similar early on in the church's history. But the West allowed those same styles to develop in other directions. It's just the way it went. The East did not. So again, not that one is better than the other. They're just different. And what's the arrival point, the convergence point? Glorifying God, making heaven present on earth through liturgy, art, architecture, music. Another item would be the custom of Eucharistic adoration. The custom of Eucharistic adoration has become a common devotion today in the Latin Rite Church, and it has been a very, very wonderful thing for the Western Church. Well, for the whole world, really. (laughs) What's good for the Church is good for the world, whether East or West. And this Eucharistic adoration is a very dear form of piety and devotion in the Latin Rite Church, The Eastern churches do not have Eucharistic devotion, per se. We have something similar, though, and again, here's our lines of convergence. We have something similar in spirit in what we call the liturgy of the presanctified gifts. And related to this would be the custom of benediction. The Eastern churches do not have a benediction, per se, as a separate rite. However, they do have elements of that in the liturgy of the presanctified gifts, which is 
basically, when you really look at it, if you ever experienced a liturgy of pre-sanctified gifts, which we celebrate in Eastern churches during Lent, you would probably think, especially if you're a Latin Rite Catholic, that this is really quite an extensive benediction. It has a very, very similar character, very similar. But we also, at the end of liturgy, the priest raises the chalice after everyone has received Holy Eucharist. He covers it up again, raises it, and gives everybody a blessing with it, and then returns it back to the altar, incenses it, bows before it, and says, Be exalted above the heavens of the Lord, let your glory be over all the earth. Three times. He again takes the Eucharist and the chalice, turns towards the people, bows them with the Eucharist, and brings it to the side table, where it eventually will be consumed. So that piece of our liturgy has a benediction, Eucharistic adoration element to it. So what I'm trying to emphasize here is that some of the basic bedrock spirituality, meaning, in this case, a great devotion to the Eucharist, that bedrock spirituality is shared by East and West. It's just how we approach it is different, which means, as I said earlier, some will have these devotions, others will not, and vice versa. Let's go to another one, the devotion of May crowning, which is in some Latin Rite churches today. It may not be as common as it used to be. I know as a child growing up, there was a very big event in parishes, and Latin Rite parishes, and it even crept into some of the Byzantine Rite parishes. But per se, we don't have a May crowning, that custom of crowning Mary. Certainly, we do see her as Queen of Heaven, and she oftentimes, in some icons, wears a crown. So, again, the acknowledgement of her as queen of heaven is what is common. It's just that in the Latin Rite Church, they express that through an actual ritual. In the East, we do not. But do we both see the mother of God equally in in the same way? Yes, we do. First and foremost, the mother of God, the queen of heaven, and all kinds of titles that we use for her that are beautiful and poetic and theological. So, again, devotion to her shared equally, equally in its depth, by East and West. There are many more questions pertaining to that one fundamental question. What is the difference between the Eastern churches and the Roman Catholic Church? We touched on a few of them here. We'll revisit them from time to time. And I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the radio button. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.